Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Ballhawks podcast. We are back to our regular scheduled Sundays, so happy Sunday out there to everybody. We just had our last game of preseason week number one, so lots of football to talk about. I think everybody's pretty pumped to see actual football, even if it's second and third stringers. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Fisher. You can find me on Twitter at ssfisher 87 and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Christopher Pluto Phillips. <laughs> What's happening, dude? Hmm. Pluto. Going uh, going old school, super basic. Can you I, believe uh, we're, we're 25 episodes in and I didn't even go with like a, a Mickey reference? Right? Wild. Man, that's okay. I mean, Pluto's cool and all, but like, I don't know. Nobody thinks about Pluto, right? So right. thanks, guys. Nobody thinks about Chris either, I guess. Boom. <laughs> Here comes Eeyore. Yeah. Eeyore's back, folks. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to be here, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I am happy to be here. Um, it is, yeah, episode 25 on this lovely day. Um, you guys can of course find me over on Twitter at Phillips Chris 12. Don't forget to follow the, uh, podcast account at ballhawks underscore pod. And with the big news of the day, I would like to wish our host co my co-host. I don't, I don't know how we're doing this, but anyways, <laughs> it's Steve's birthday. <sighs> Happy birthday, buddy. Thanks, dude. Hope you had a good day. I know we saw each other earlier and we shared a bevy, which was uh, which was great. The kids really enjoyed running around and being maniacs in your household. <laughs> no one, no one got broken. Nothing got broken. It was an extremely successful encounter. Yeah. Um, how was the birthday after I left? I know you're planning on heading out. Yeah, it was. Maybe it was good. It was, you know. You know me, I'm not really huge into birthdays or anything like that, but, um, you know, it's always nice just getting out and doing something. We, we ended up getting some dinner and just bringing it home. Kids were pretty, pretty worn out and pretty, pretty crazy by the end of the day. So just decided to do that. I'll, I'll take some time to just give everybody a shout out for reaching out to me on Facebook today, on Twitter, um, even though I don't really go too hard on my birthday or make a big deal of it it's always nice when people reach out to you so if you reached out to me in one way or another today i appreciate it and thank you for those and if you didn't you're dead to, to us yeah absolutely <laughs> not um i i would also be remiss if i didn't mention um happy anniversary to my parents um today is my parents 40th wedding anniversary which just wow. like, i've been married to my wife for eight years and i mean 
I, I love my my wife, but like 40 years still feels so far away. Um, so thank you, mom and dad, for I guess showing me what uh, you know what a long sustaining marriage looks like. And I, I hope you guys had a great day as well. Yeah, I was actually waiting for you to miss that one. After after you mentioned that earlier today, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna wait for it tonight. And uh, but I couldn't get him. So I and may yeah, have missed mom's years. birthday, but I didn't miss the anniversary. <laughs> Poor mom. Priorities, uh, right? Yeah, 40 years. That's uh, that's really, like, when I hear 40 years married, I think, like, instantly, like, wow. I'm not even 40 years old right now. So, like, yeah. that seems almost unattainable, considering I don't really think I'm going to last past 50 the way my body's breaking down. <laughs> um, but, but it's also refreshing to hear, like, people still stick with, you know, things for 40 years that's incredible good for yeah. them so happy anniversary to them that's awesome i mean it, it's crazy to think that like my parents marriage is long enough or old enough i, I don't know what the right terminology is but like my, my parents marriage has, has sustained so long that they could be like a really young grandparent <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they've they've been through a couple eras yeah um, yeah, so obviously this week, um, on the podcast, we finally get to talk about football and you and I had mentioned this earlier today that when we started this podcast, you know, right around spring break, uh, this year, so middle of March, um, obviously football was over. So we have never actually done an episode where some sort of live football, and I know it's preseason, but it's live football has happened and we kind of like you had thrown your hands up like, you know, Ron Burgundy on the teleprompter being like, uh, what do I do with my hands? We, do, we don't really know what to do yet. So um, th- this is exciting. I'm, I'm really excited for it. But the first thing we'll get into, uh, it happened earlier in the week and a couple big signings, signings, extensions. Um, the first one being uh, the Colts linebacker, Darius Leonard. He signed uh, a record-setting five-year, $98.5 million. Um, And for me, uh, I've watched a couple Colts games last year, obviously, you know, being in the AFC. And Darius Leonard is one of the most underrated players in the entire NFL. Like, I know he makes, you know, the Pro Bowl and stuff like that, um, but you never really hear his name a lot you're starting to hear it more and i'm sure now that he's signed this massive contract you're going to hear it but uh i thought that was really good signing for the colts he's like the heart and soul of that defense and like uh, if a guy makes the pro bowl is he really that underrated like we may not hear a lot about him i mean a little more surprising on your end because you are an afc guy but like if we're going to be talking underrated like to me, the most underrated linebacker in the league is probably Levante David. Um, mm. That guy gets no accolades, right? Like he doesn't make Pro Bowls, he doesn't make All Pro, but he he should. He's he's unreal. Yeah, I mean, when I think of an underrated player, I think of a player that just quietly goes about his job. You know, doesn't garner a ton of media attention for the things they do, and yeah. I, I, I don't know why he's underrated and to say like he, he you know he's made a pro bowl so is he underrated but just think the pro bowl is a popularity vote 
right? And Essentially, no, all of Indianapolis could get together or wherever their fans are and be like, let's get Darius Leonard in. And right. although it's definitely warranted that he gets into the Pro Bowl, um, I still don't see his name popping up with, you know, the best of the best on defenders. When you think of like, who are the top defenders in the NFL? You never really think inside linebacker. They, they I, just I sort of don't get put up there. They don't, no, because a lot of those, yeah, the, a lot of those inside linebackers just, like you said, they, they go about their business, they they do their job, um, you know, they're, they're not the flashy cornerback or the outside linebacker or the rush in getting all the sacks or the, you know, whatever it may be, but I, I saw a thing, I think it was right after, must have been right after Darius Leonard signed that contract and, you know, I think the NFL posted it on Instagram, it was something about like, Darius Leonard and Fred Warner being the top two court, uh, linebackers in the NFL. And like, there were multiple comments being like, what did, did Bobby retire? <laughs> yeah. Like, did, did, is Bobby Wagner not playing football anymore? Like, yeah. it, I mean, it, it, as, as much as it, uh, the accolades that, that Bobby Wagner gets, um, I, I, I feel like he's, I don't want to say underrated, but he doesn't get the respect he deserves either. Right. Um, he, you know, he's always been compared to Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley's always been, you know, he was the best linebacker from his draft class. And I'm like, I, I've always thought that, and and I'm probably a homer and I'm biased, but um, Bobby Bobby Wagner is the le- best linebacker, uh, middle linebacker currently in in the NFL, and the best linebacker from his draft class, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch. This year, I'm obviously going to change that doing a podcast with a massive Seahawks fan, but I don't watch as many Seahawks games as I think a lot of people in BC tend to watch because they're the closest team. But I, it's almost like he's he's a shoe in for the best. Like when I hear people talk about the best inside linebackers and they talk about like the Deion Jones or Darius Leonard or whoever that is, I feel like Bobby is so much above them that it's like it's not even worth our time to say his name because we already know Bobby's the best and then everyone else. Um, but some of these guys like Darius Leonard, I think, is knocking on the door. So not not in terms of accolades of what he's done in like a career. But if you want to talk about someone who's going to put up a stellar single season and be one of the if not the best middle linebacker, uh, it could be Darius Leonard this year, and I would not be surprised. I, I wouldn't be either, but at the same time, like that's part of what makes Bobby, in my mind, so spectacular. Is that and and I know we we uh, you know had this argument um, a couple weeks ago in regards to the Bobby Wagner versus Marlon Humphrey, right? And Bobby is still year after year putting up those you know triple digit tackle numbers. Um, you know, he's still leading that defense. He's still, you know, I, I couldn't find it because I, I tried finding the numbers to, you know, further my argument against you um, <laughs> in, in regards to missed tackle numbers. And like his missed tackle numbers are always really, really low, which I think is actually more impressive than even the, the tackles Fair. that he accumulates is, is the amount of tackles that he doesn't miss. Like, it, you know, usually if, if Bobby gets his hands on you, like, that's it. You're done. Yeah, there's right? something about a middle linebacker. I mean, their job is to, for, you know, 90 to 95% of the time, tackle. So if you are reliable enough where you just never miss, 
um, yeah, I, I agree. That says something in and of itself. Um, the other extension we were referring to, and you, I think you had pulled up the numbers, um, Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard uh, got a little extension. He was unhappy that he was being paid less than his counterpart across the line or across the formation, I guess, would be the better way of describing it. Um, what were the numbers on that one? I thought you were going to say it. I closed all those windows. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I saw the the Dolphins um, reworked his his contract, so his um, his, his guaranteed money this year went from like just over twelve million to just under twelve point eight. Mm. Uh, but there's about a, a, a bunch of incentives in there and like performance bonuses and things like that that could um, push that money to uh, over sixteen million. Uh, and then I think it said something about next year as well with the guaranteed money being around that 12.8 range again. Yeah. Um, but I mean, next year's is a long way away and <laughs> I'm, I'm sure after this season, um, they're, they're, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're parting ways after this season regardless. So, yeah. And I think the big takeaway from that one is the Dolphins have a really stout secondary, obviously with Byron Jones on the other side of them. That's the counterpart we're talking about. And Xavier Howard, they've got one of the best one, two corners uh, in the league, which means they're going to have one of the best safety tan or uh, secondary tandems, regardless of who their safeties are. So, uh, you know, Dolphins locking down a piece that will help them make a playoff push this year. Uh, they were so close last year, obviously. Uh, one of the one of the other ones that happened earlier in the week that I'm not sure how much you really looked into this. We we'd kind of talked about uh, the Carson Wentz injury. Uh, Quentin Nelson's injury was like the exact same thing. There was talks that he was not going to be able to come back until about you know, that week five kind of range. And that obviously would have impacted the Ravens game um, for when they play the Colts. But the news was that Carson Wentz is now trending for a week one return, which is if if you're the Colts, obviously you want your starting quarterback playing week one. But are you going to err on the side of caution for a week two, three, just to make sure a guy with a lofty injury history is like, solid ready to go or are you pushing him in right away because you're like look we traded for you we are a playoff win now team um i mean I, yeah I, I saw both him and quinton quinton nelson are now trending towards being ready to go for week one which um i'll believe it when i see it like it, there, there's so like that's the thing with with the NFL um, and injuries and especially in, in the preseason it's like, it's so much like ambiguity, ambiguity where it's, just like, yeah, this guy's hurt. He's going to be out for, you know, six to eight weeks and Oh no, actually he might be back for week <laughs> one now. And Oh no, wait, like week one's going to roll around. We're like, ah, yeah, you know, he just wasn't quite there yet. We weren't comfortable playing him. Um, I guess like with, you know, do they rush him in and do they say like, we got to get you in, we got to get you playing. Like, that a lot of that is going to stem from, um, you know, how the other two guys do in the preseason. How do uh, Jacob Eason and I can't think of the other quarterback's names. Um, is it anger? 
or yeah, I, I can't remember a- what the guy's a- actual name a- is. Ailinger or something, yeah. something like that. But yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, how do they perform, right? Because if if they're really, uh, you know, stinking up up the place, uh, then yeah, they probably are going to rush Carson Wentz back sooner than they should. Um, if those guys, you know, at least appear to be serviceable. Um, then maybe they give Carson an extra week or two to say, no, you know what? We don't need to rush you back right now. Like, you know, yeah, these first two games of the year, we, we, we would like to win them. But at the same time, like, let's just like maybe pump the brakes a little bit. And, you know, these first two games of the year, you know, we're, we're going to try obviously our best. Um, if we don't win them, we don't win them. And then from that point forward, we've got um, 15 more games with our, you know, QB one to, to then, you know, maybe make a run at it. Yeah. I would just be worried that, you know, obviously him being young, you traded some assets for him. He's, he's your long-term plan now. Like I, I know a lot of people are talking about, you know, give him a year, maybe give him two years. Like the first year he's kind of getting acclimated to the Colts second year, you know, you kind of expect him to perform, but What's their backup plan? I mean, these guys are, this is going to be a team that, uh, in my opinion, contends for the AFC South. Uh, definitely contends for, if not, in my opinion, gets one of the wild card spots. So you're kind of picking in that middle of the range first round. Like, sure, you can get lucky and get your franchise quarterback beyond the middle of the first round, but usually you don't get your franchise quarterback unless you're picking in the top 10. So. Um, let's stick with, uh, an Indianapolis thing. You actually sent this one to me on Twitter and it's the idea of the NFL cracking down on, uh, taunting penalties. And the one you sent me, cause you know, full disclaimer, I didn't watch a lot of football this weekend. Um, it was a Colts running back who basically just grabs 10 grown men and runs another 10 yards with all of them on him. And he is fired up. He's like, I I think he kind of like gives the ball a little bit of a flip and he's doing like the, you know, whatever he's doing with his hands and they flag him for taunting. And I think your comment was uh, soft, right? So uh, like, like, I've seen that video a few times now. A few people have shared it. A few people have, you know, called out the NFL for, um, you know, like I, I understand wanting to crack down on taunting, but like you said, it's just the, the no fun league just again, being, you know, less fun than they already are. <laughs> um, when I, when I, when I have seen, like I've probably seen that video about five times now at least. And I can, I guess kind of understand it. Cause when he gets up from the bottom of the pile, he kind of, you know, looks at the nearest defender to him, does maybe a little bit of a flex. Yeah. But then he turns around. He's still flexing, like pumping his head. Like, like he's, he's excited. He's jacked up. He's, yeah. he's, his emotions are like, hell yeah. Like I got that first down. Like I did it right. Like, and, and to penalize these guys for, for having emotions. I mean, you and I were, were talking about, before we came on here tonight, you know, kids and their emotions and their little brains and things like that. And like, you know, I, I try to tell my six year old daughter, it's okay to have emotions and it's okay to have feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, but apparently if you play in the, uh, NFL, it's not okay to have emotions and, uh, you know, be excited when you do something, 
um, you know, exceptionally well uh, to help your team win. I just, it, it doesn't, it, 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 again, it's soft. This is going to be such a slippery slope going forward because some referees are going to see different actions as a taunt and some are going to see those same actions as, you know, like you said, getting pumped up, getting excited with the guys when you make a big play or you stop like some, like a big fourth down stop. Um, I just think there's a clear and obvious difference between taunting and getting fired up. Like the, the first one that comes to mind was uh, it was a Steelers Bengals game and Juju Smith Schuster crushes perfect, like absolutely cracks him in half stands over top of him and flexes over top of him. That is clear and obvious taunting. Yes, that deserves a a flag. I don't don't think that kind of stuff really needs to be in the game there. It's just, yeah. Or like even like, um, you know, something that was maybe not as severe um, as that, as, you know, Juju Smith Schuster giving a guy CTE and then flexing about it. Yeah. Um, but a- Antoine Winfield Jr. in the Super Bowl last right. year, giving, um, giving Tyree Kill the peace sign, right? Yeah. Which was a you know kind of retribution to Tyree Kill giving the peace sign uh, to Winfield earlier, I think last season, right? Right. It it's harmless. It's funny. People get a kick out of it. Um, you know, myself included. Like I love seeing that sort of like to me. That's competitive nature. That's yeah. like you know, not overly serious, but I can understand why the NFL would maybe want to get something like that even out of the game also, Um, where it's just blatantly obvious at like taunting and, and like rubbing it in a guy's face, so to speak. But yeah, it just, it, it leads to, I mean, like you said, if, if a defense gets a huge stop on fourth down and they're pumped up and they're flexing and they're celebrating and, doing, I don't know, sack dances or whatever may happen. If they get that 15 yard penalty, well, now it's an automatic first down, right? And like, that's going to, yeah. like, that, that could cost a team a game. And it just, I don't, I don't know. I don't get, sports are such an emotional thing. Like you and I both still play sports. We grew up playing sports our entire lives. And yes, did my emotions get the best of me at times? And, and I definitely taunted other um other players yeah i mean i've i've been actually kicked out of games for taunting um playing lacrosse but at the same time because you probably clearly crossed a line though oh absolutely i did right yeah yeah absolutely i did a guy ripped my helmet off he got thrown out of the game he's standing right up against the glass watching me like the ref had already got him off the floor back to his dressing room and I'm slowly getting up off the floor, walking over to pick up my helmet. I pick up my helmet and I drop the old, the, the old Hulk Hogan <laughs> flex. And, uh, yeah, I definitely deserve to get kicked out of the game because I was, um, I was making the situation worse. Right. Right. And I, th- I think that's where from like, obviously I've only seen a couple of the clips, but I think that's where the outrage from a fan perspective is getting because, I would say at least 80 to 90% of fans have played very high competitive sports or still do maybe play competitive sports. And even, sorry to interrupt, even low level sports though, like your competitive nature still gets the best of you. And you still, there are still moments for that, that come out where like 
you know, I play co-ed rec soccer and there are still moments where I find myself yelling, you know, chirping the other player or like, you know, maybe getting a little more competitive than I should be. Right. So it's just regardless of what level of sports you have or haven't played, if you've played sports at all, you get it. Right. And that's where I was going to go with this is I I don't think taunting has a place in the game because to me, the definition of taunting would be taking it that one step too far. And like you said, as soon as I said, uh, you probably crossed a line. You're like, oh, for sure I did. Like, I think most of us common sense driven people can say like, this is taunting a player unnecessarily. But I feel like there's still a huge part in sports that is all about getting in the head of your opponent. You're winning those mind battles. uh, You know, whether that comes from a little bit of like trash talking, competitive juices flowing, Um, I think when you take that out of sports, you lose some of that intensity, you lose some of that like really fun, I guess, stuff you like kind of live for in sports. And full disclosure, I've been on the receiving end and I've given those kind of taunting, not not really taunting, but like, you know, trash talking or getting in the head of your, your opponent. So I've been on both ends of the spectrum. And in the moment when you're on the receiving end of getting the trash talk, well, of course, it doesn't feel good that person is now getting an advantage in the game just because you're allowing it something that has, they literally have no control over your thoughts yet. They're still impacting the game. So I think there's a difference between an obvious taunt, like the juju one that I was talking about. Um, and I would even say the Antoine Winfield one, is that taunting? No, you're just, I I guess I could see why it would be, But in my eyes, that's such a harmless thing. You're not like flexing over top of like an injured player. You're not like, you know, smashing your face into someone else's. Like you're not getting your face right up to their face. I I don't know. I just think starting to get more stringent on taunting is just the wrong place to put. These officials have to make 10,000 different like minute or sort of second by second calls And now you want them to also like decipher in the heat of the moment what a taunting penalty is. And I just feel like now that fans are back, they're going to impact those as well. They're going to see something that maybe resembles taunting. They're going to scream and boo and get in the ref's ear. And who knows, maybe that causes them to throw that flag. Yeah. And and the other thing too, is like, you know, talking about, you know, when you're the guy, um, you know, doing the quote unquote taunting, chirping, you know, your, your, your team done has done something, you know, good and, you, and you're kind of giving it to, to the other team. Um, the opposite's going to happen as well, right? Like, I mean, take this running back from the, the, the Colts that, you know, drag 10 guys to get this first down, gets up, he's pumped, he's excited, he's, you know, he's flexing a little bit and nodding his head and, and he gets flagged 15 yards. Yeah. So, like, that's going to mess with his psyche too, right? Where it's just like, Okay, well, like, I guess, like... Like, it's a momentum shift. Yeah. Against the guy that just made a huge play. I I just think that's wrong. Yeah. It's, it's, and, like, you know, I I guess I'm thinking about it, uh, you know, recent play off the top of my head in, um, I guess, Seahawks history is last season um, against the 49ers. Uh, I I can't remember who the quarterback was for the 49ers at the time, but he threw, you know, check down to Kyle Juszczyk, and uh, right as you check caught the ball, KJ Wright just popped him. Uh, clean hit, you know, shoulder to the chest, but like just dropped him like a sack of potatoes. 
and Bobby Wagner came flying in, just fired up. Like, and it wasn't anything, you know, they don't have bad blood with Juszczyk, but like Juszczyk has kind of always been that kind of like thorn in their side. Like, you know, if they get a chance to pop him, like they're going to celebrate it sort of thing. And Bobby comes in and he like literally like runs in, he's jumping up and down, like hooting and hollering, gives a Ric Flair, woo, (laughs) like pumping uh, KJ Wright's chest, like, and now, like, I look back on that play and, you know, I question. That's a taunt is now, that probably. A, is that a 15-yard penalty? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. So I'll use one from the Ravens. And I think this is a really good example that everyone's going to remember uh, to maybe illustrate the difference. Like that one, he is pumping up his own teammate. Yes, it's at the expense of use check. But guess what? That's sports. You lost the play. That's what momentum in sports is built off of. The one I'm thinking of with the Ravens is against the Titans. Uh, They make the game ceiling interception and the whole defense runs out to the Titans logo and they celebrate. Yeah. I saw that play and I was like, oh, you idiots. Like, that's a penalty for sure. Like, there was no doubt in my mind that that was whatever you want to call it, taunting, excessive celebration. Um, I think they all knew they were getting the penalty anyways. And I think if you were to ask any of those players objectively, they would be like, yeah, okay, we probably deserve that one. Definitely. So hopefully the refs, you know, hopefully through these preseasons, they can get together, talk about some of the plays that happened and moving into the season, they say, yes, we're going to crack down maybe on some of those blatant, um, you know, just super obvious taunting ones, but let's let the guys play. Um, but enough of everybody else's team. Uh, we have two teams that we like to follow and they both played preseason games. So why don't you start and give us the update on the Seahawks and how their first preseason game went, maybe some things that really stood out for you positively or negatively. (laughs) I I know Um, there's probably a lot more of the latter, but... Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't overly impressed um, by the Seahawks' first preseason game. I mean, I think I saw a thing today. It was like only out of the 22 projected starters, only six of those players actually played in the game uh, last night. Um, Oh, wow. And I don't think any of those were on offense. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure all six of those would have been on defense. Um, you know, like Jordan Brooks played, Akella Witherspoon played. Um, but offense, it was it, it was the entire backup line. Uh, you know, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf didn't play. Gerald Everett and Will Disley didn't play. No Carson, no Penny, no Russ. Like, it was like the entire backup offense. Um, so, obviously, the offense um, left a lot to be desired. Um, DJ Dallas had a really nice touchdown, uh, in, on, it was a fourth and four call and, uh, the Seahawks decided to go for it, which great. I mean, I, I hope Pete Carroll keeps that mentality come regular season as, you know, let, let's go for it maybe on some of these, uh, fourth and short from enemy territory type, uh, scenarios. Um, they ran a, uh, you know, kind of a, an outlet pass to, uh, it, it looked like it was definitely, you know, scripted to go to DJ Dallas. Like everything was going left. 
Dallas broke out to the right and he was just wide open. Um, so uh, Alex Magoo uh, passed, you know, dumped the ball off to him. Uh, he broke a tackle from one DB, took it to the house for the touchdown. So really nice play uh, for the Seahawks one and only touchdown. Um, defensively, again, there was a little bit to be left uh, to be desired. Um, you know, I, I felt like they weren't able to get off the field. Uh, which was really, really frustrating. Watch, you know, like third and four, third and five. And it's just like, like somebody just make a play and like stop. Like, you know, my, my dad was texting me about it as well. And, you know, typical Ken Norton defense, he says, where, you know, let, let, uh, give the guy five yards, let him catch the ball and, and make the tackle. And uh, and that was still happening on third down. Um, Trey Flowers, a lot of people like to give him a pass um, on this one. Um, Peterman uh, made a, it was a nice throw. Like Trey Flowers, it was, you know, pretty well perfectly defended. Uh, Peterman made a perfect throw. I think it was a 27 yard reception by Zay Jones. Um, but the only critique I would have is like Trey Flowers, just didn't even, he didn't even turn his head. Hmm. Didn't didn't put his arm like he sees the, the the receiver putting his arms out to catch the ball. Doesn't put his arm up. Doesn't look back for the ball. And like if he had looked back for the ball, he could have made a play on it. Or hit him um, in the helmet. What's that? I said or hit hits him in the helmet. <laughs> yeah, or something, something exactly yeah. right. Like just do something. Yeah. Um, and, instead of nothing. Um. So yeah. So you know, like I said, it, it wasn't overly impressed. Wasn't. Uh, I, I think I turned the game off with about. 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, they started bringing in like four string guys. And I was like, okay, I'm out. Like, yeah. I, 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 I don't know if you saw the tweet. I was like, all right, Seahawks Twitter. I'm out on this game. Love you guys. Like, no, I missed it's that just, one. I, yeah, I, I had, had enough. Um, one more negative thing I want to talk about before I, I move on to the positive. Um, I think it was the, maybe the first or second play from scrimmage on offense and the Raiders blitzed a corner off um, the blind side stone Forsyth totally missed the guy. And this corner came in and just destroyed Geno Smith. A lot of people are arguing that it mean, you know, maybe could have been roughing the pass, roughing the passer. Um, He may have contacted Geno by the helmet, but like he jumped up, grabbed him two hands by the shoulders and Ooh. reefed him down to the turf. Ooh. Right. So like super like, uh, um, if that's Brady, he's getting thrown out of the game. Yeah. And just yeah. like super, um, you know, traumatic, uh, collision, like just bad, bad. And then like, uh, Gino missed one play, ended up going back in, and then later in the game, they're like, oh, Geno Smith's been pulled from the game due to a concussion. I'm like, well, again, like, no yeah. kidding. Yeah. How'd you like, guys miss wh- that? Why was he allowed? Like, he hits the back of his head off the turf. And sure, he went into the blue tent and they checked him over for a concussion. And I get it. Um, I, I was talking about this with um, Alyssa Charleston, who works for uh, Q13 Fox, which is the... Um, local Fox station down in Seattle. So she was doing like a lot of like the in-studio stuff for the game yesterday. And uh, I understand that it, you know, 
concussions don't always present themselves right away. And sometimes it does take time for a concussion to, uh, or concussion symptoms to let on. Um, I even said to her, the, the last concussion that I had playing lacrosse, um, I kept playing until all of a sudden I was like, oh, my vision's really blurry and I can't see. Hmm. Um, so same thing. Like I, I kept playing, but I'm a, a low level um, <clears throat> rec beer league type <laughs> athlete um, that doesn't, I don't know, probably doesn't know better. I don't have doctors telling me not to go back out there at least. Um, it just, I feel like in the pre, especially in the preseason, I mean, they should have this mentality all the time, but especially in the preseason where the games don't mean anything. Why did Geno Smith go back on the field? Right. Why did, why did they let him back out there? Like, you brought him in under the blue tent. You evaluated for him for a concussion. Sure, he passed protocols or whatever, but like, just keep him on the sidelines. You've got Alex Magoo. You've got Sean Mannion. Like, you had, I mean, hell, you even had Russell Wilson dressed. But like, you had four quarterbacks dressed. Why are you forcing or allowing this guy back out there with what, in my mind, was clearly a concussion? Especially so it, soon, right? Like, at least yeah, like, let, I, I let even, some time for I, your I, other backups to get some reps. Like, that's the worst case scenario that your backup backups get reps while your, exactly. you know, backup number one gets a proper amount of time to, like, collect thoughts and, and you yeah. know, have doctors really look at them. And that's already it, right? It's like you've already made the commitment to playing your backups. So why not just say, OK, well, you know, Gino took a conky let's move on you know next man up um and i I even tweeted like right after the you know like i said geno smith missed one play after that happened and i tweeted like okay like obviously geno smith's got a concussion so we're gonna see alex mcgoo and then uh, and then geno was back in and then later you know an hour later it's like oh no he does have a concussion i'm like what the hell is going on like figure it out like just i don't know just be better you, you see these yeah, just be better, right? Yeah. Like you see these concussions of these guys that um, you know played year or uh, lawsuits, excuse me, of guys that played years and years ago that suffered so many so much head trauma, um, and the league is still no better. Right. You know, forty years later. Yeah. Um, on the positive side, um, there was some guys on the, on the defense that definitely stood out. Um, Jordan Brooks looked really good. He had a really good pass breakup. Um, in the I, I can't remember what quarter it was doesn't really matter everyone knows what pass breakup it was um <laughs> everyone that was watching the seahawks game Sorry. anyways knows, knows what pass breakup it was um uh rasheem green looked really good there was a you know a couple times that he uh looked like he was gonna get home for that sack he got a hand on on uh on the quarterback and just didn't quite get enough contact or you know peterman stepped up or, or whatever it was but but green looked really good rushing the passer uh, Daryl Taylor looked, looked fast. Um, he's definitely got some, some technique things to work on, but, but I, I liked what I saw from Daryl Taylor. Uh, I, I guess the probably player of the game, um, would, would have to go to Alton Robinson. Um, he just, he was all over the place. He was involved in everything. I, I think he had a sack at one time. He was actually, uh, covering who, I guess the Raiders wide receiver one would have been. Um, so a, a, a DN was playing cornerback on, on a oh. wide receiver at one point in time. 
Um, I mean, the the Zay Jones got you know made the catch, but at least Alton you know made made the tackle before he got the the touchdown. Um, and actually, Ryan Neal looked really good as well. Um, you know, as, as far as uh, a guy that was kind of all over all over the place and you know making a bunch of tackles and in on plays, so. There was definitely some, you know, more positives uh, to take away from the defense as, as much as I uh, was annoyed with them, their inability to get off the field. Um, there was, you know, guys that, you know, looked fast, they looked uh, strong, they were making good tackles, um, you know, so, so definitely some 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 positives to take away there, uh, you know, a little less uh, positive on the offensive side, but, you know, it, it's it's preseason and, and uh, you know, th- those things are going to come. Definitely. Um, and, and I mean, you, I don't think people are going to. How to, I think this year is going to be the most overhyped preseason of all time because there wasn't a preseason last year. And I think we kind of just have to, like, set our expectations back and we need to say, like, you know, like Stone Forsyth mi- missing a corner blitz. He's a rookie. Yeah, that this is why you have practice. This is why you have preseason games, uh, so he can look at that film and he can get better at diagnosing plays earlier and and just watching for different things. So, yeah, obviously I wouldn't be overly concerned about that kind of stuff. And like you said, when most of your starters aren't playing, um, preseason one has always been about you know second, third, fourth stringers versus other teams' second, third, and fourth stringers. Um, where the Ravens are at for their preseason, obviously some things started out before preseason. Rashad Bateman went down with what looked to be a groin injury. There was talks that he was going to be back before week one. Um, and then it turns out he had core muscle surgery. And so everybody was thinking that it was probably a hernia uh, that got operated on. And he's expected to be back uh, according to John Harbaugh sometime in September. And, uh, you know, I've been on Twitter for just under a year, actually. I think it was at the very end of August last year I started. And I have never seen Ravens Twitter be as volatile and at each other's throats than Rashad Bateman getting injured. And I put up the meme or, uh, sorry, a picture of... um, the Avengers civil war. And I said, live look into Raven's Twitter right now. Cause people are just losing their minds being like, we're cursed. Oh my gosh. Rashad Bateman is Rashad Perriman. Now, like everybody just needed to take like a nice deep breath, like do some yoga, deep breathing exercises. Um, so yeah, obviously he got injured. The good news, I guess if there's a silver lining to that, uh, last year's sixth round pick, James Prochet kind of, took on a bigger role with Hollywood Brown out and he's looked good in, uh, in practices in training camp, um, had a bit slower of a preseason number one game, but, uh, he's a guy that a lot of Ravens fans want to see take that next step. As far as the game, obviously the Ravens have one of the most, uh, I guess you could call it useless streaks in all of sports. And they won their 18th consecutive preseason game going back to 2015 Thank you for saying something. I I, I saw like a, 
um, like a, a graphic being like Ravens, like 18 wins in a row in the preseason. And my response was like green jacket, gold jacket. Who gives a Yeah. Right. Like it's just it's preseason, guys. Like let's let's not get too excited. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd, I'd, I would actually have to go back and look. But like the, the you know, the, the year the Seahawks won the Super Bowl or something like that, I, I don't think they had a very good pre, preseason record. Right. Like it just. None of it matters. It's you there know, was somebody that like actually it, tweeted out. It, I can't remember who it was. They were a verified account, and it said something about preseason wins usually equate to regular season failures and vice versa. And of course, like that got the I guess got under the skin of some Ravens Twitter people as well, being like, "Oh yeah, did you see 2019? We had the number one team, and we won all." Ugh, who cares? It's some like it's useless. It literally is. The only thing it's good for, hopefully these young kids and these backups have gotten the, you know, some more reps that they really need in live, live game situations. And nobody seemed to really get like a season ending injury. That's a positive. That's all I care about. And that's like, like you already said about, um about preseason it's like it's your backups versus my backups so it's like congratulations you won the game your backups are better than mine but let, let's see what hap- what happens when it's actually our you know your starters and my starters right like when it when it actually matters right and sometimes like you said like some teams will have some of their starters playing uh again the ravens had a lot more of their defensive starters starting and playing as opposed to their offensive starters for whatever that means i i don't really care all i care about is guys getting valuable reps getting better not getting injured that's literally all i care about for preseason but it was fun like um one one player that i had seen a lot of clips of obviously i don't know if you saw my tweet but nfl network decided four o'clock yesterday to play the browns and jags game um still so stupid that I can't pick what game I want to watch in the year 2021. But uh, first round linebacker, edge rusher, Odafe away uh, was as advertised. He was fast. He got to the quarterback. Um, Just before we popped on, I actually saw a video of him playing gunner in that game. He (laughs) took a special teams rep he was double covered uh, like he was at the top of the screen. And this dude is like 6'5", 270, I think. And he blows by them and he gets there before every other player causing a fair catch. And I'm just thinking to myself, one, oh my goodness, do you really want like your potential star edge rusher taking gunner reps? But then my like the fan in me thought, Oh my goodness, I can't believe this behemoth of a dude was the first one down there. Like how how scared would you be as a punt kick returner? You see this giant guy running past all of your guys. Like, yes, thank goodness there is a fair catch rule in today's <laughs> NFL or I'm dead on this one. Uh so it was good to see him uh middle linebacker Patrick Queen was absolutely everywhere. The big one I saw was he was diagnosing uh, early a lot of his coverage plays, which was one of his big knocks. Uh, so that was really good to see. I think he's going to have a huge year 
going forward. Um, before I get to the defense, there, um, quarterback number two, I guess there was a competition. Lamar didn't dress, obviously, which was kind of weird because I saw like um, Mahomes took a play or two, Brady took a play or two, um, Lamar didn't. So Trace McSorley kind of got off to a tough start and then uh tyler huntley had the big comeback drive so it's sounding like tyler huntley is kind of cementing himself as the backup quarterback for the ravens which um makes a lot of sense he it's very hard to tell the difference between him and lamar on the field because they both have the same body type they both have the same like shiftiness quickness um, they, they look pretty much like clones. So it, it was kind of fun to see a little bit of a quarterback battle for the backup spot. Um, I, um, oh, go ahead. I saw, uh, Calvin tweeted something about like Huntley is like store brand <laughs> Lamar. He's, he's, he's the, the generic brand Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that one. <laughs> so our, our, our buddy Calvin Wood, he's doing a podcast now. Hey. I don't know if you saw any yeah, of his stuff, but he, yeah. it, it looks really good. Um, we'll have to check that out. I, I wish I would have gotten the name of it before coming uh, on here. Isn't like two birds, one pod? Well, let's check on that and we'll we'll maybe give him a shout out uh, by the time I'm done giving the Ravens recap. Uh, okay. Yeah, I saw that. He's, he's store brand Lamar Jackson. And then I think they did like someone took his tweet and a picture of Lamar and Huntley and put like Dr. Pepper by Lamar and put like Dr. Whatever the American version of his love knockoff brand, Dr. Pepper. Um, so that was kind of funny. Uh, kind of another funny news. The Ravens trotted out uh, Jake Verity as a kicker. So Tucker comes in. Nails a 56-yard kick. Of course, Justin Tucker does that. And then their backup kicker comes in, nails like a 43-yarder, I think, and like a 53-yarder. And instantly, Ravens Twitter is blowing up saying, oh, Eric DaCosta is on the phone. He's, you know, fleecing somebody probably for like a fourth or a third round pick as we speak because of Jake Verity. Uh, Obviously referencing the I think his name was Kerry or Kerry Vedvik that got traded to uh, the Minnesota Minnesota. Vikings for a fifth round pick and he kind of fizzled out and never panned out so I don't think I don't think he made a kick once getting traded to Minnesota I think he missed everything yeah it was like one of the biggest fleecings in in trade history so that was kind of funny um on the defensive side of the ball, some of the young guys that I saw clips of, um, cornerback safety, they're not, I'm not really sure where they're going to play him yet. Uh, rookie Brandon Stevens was just all over the field. You noticed him on every play. He was right there. He was disruptive. Uh, good to see a rookie come in and do that. Another rookie, Sean Wade, he was uh, a corner out of Ohio State, was kind of fell in the draft to the fifth round uh, because he got shifted to the outside when he has been playing mostly nickel corner at Ohio State. Um, He had the play of the game. He had this massive interception where uh, the ball is kind of floating over his head. And unlike your player that we were talking about, he actually turns his head, locates the ball, 
high points it into a full catch uh, interception. Beautiful play, like those dream sideline interceptions that you think of making. Uh, so it was good to see him have a huge interception there. Um, undrafted free agent Adarius Washington, a guy that I think is going to make their team, uh, had this massive hit that forced a fumble. Uh, so good that he's getting in there. Good that he's kind of cementing himself as someone who could be in the 53-man roster. Um, a, a, another guy from the safety position that's kind of making waves in terms of he's probably going to be fighting for 53-man spot is Geno Stone. He had two interceptions. Um, and then Justin Matabike, a uh, guy who I think is going to take over Brandon Williams' spot going forward, uh, had a big forced fumble as well. So the defense was just turning the ball over time after time after time. Um, time after time. time. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that too. <laughs> Which was, I, I think I saw somebody tweeted, uh, in the Saints' first five drives, the Ravens had four turnovers and they were still losing the game. So obviously their <laughs> offense had basically all backups. Uh, the O-line was getting beaten consistently. So a little bit of concern. <sighs> Again, I don't want to overreact, but I think there is you know, some concern when your backups are getting kind of manhandled by other backups and it's noticeably uh, swaying in one team's favor. So I won't overreact to it. You know, I think they showed lots of good things, but, you know, like I said, with the Seahawks, get these guys in the film room, catching their mistakes. That's what you have preseason games for. That's what preseason practice is for. Um, just stack good days on top of it and you'll be fine come week one. Um, let's move to a third down. We are nearing the hour marker. What do you got for us this week? I have, um, which I was actually considering doing this one last week, but I pushed it off to this week. Um, you know, we know what third down is. I'm going to give you, we're, we're, we're back to our, you know, vintage ways of me giving you some uh, some head-to-head matchups and, and you pick your winner. Um, this one, I kind of went a little bit uh, back a little ways. I don't know about you. I'm not much of a, a pop drinker these days. Usually, if I'm drinking pop, it's got alcohol in it. Um, <laughs> or I'm not drinking it at all. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I know I drank a lot of pop as a kid. Uh, probably in my, you know, early twenties, I still drank, a, you know, quite a bit. Um, so I've got some, some matchups here, of you know, just some, some classic, some classic pop, some classic soda, Okay. you know, for our American friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, you guys call it soda, right? Soda like, pop. We call it, yeah, we call it pop up here. And I think down in the States, it's, you know, typically referred to as soda, but yeah. I don't know who's right. Who's wrong. Um, that, that's not for me to say. No. Um, anyways, I've got, yeah, I've got the showdown here of, uh, of pops, soda pops. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Third down. All right, buddy. Um, starting first matchup here. 
this is kind of like the like I didn't really know how to categorize them, so I just put them up against each other. Uh, and I've got Dr Pepper, uh, not uh, so I've got the the Lamar Jackson brand. Don't worry, the <laughs> the, the, the real one. All twenty three uh, flavors. Yeah, versus Mountain Dew. Like I said, like I didn't really know Ooh. how to categorize those ones, so I was just like they're kind of like those oddball flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's throw them up against each other and, and see which one you would pick. That's so ironic that we were just talking about Dr. Pepper. Um, <laughs> and again, we don't, you know, I don't, I don't have any pre-existing knowledge of what he's going to ask me on these. Um, it's funny. I'm trying to think back to the last time I had either of these. And I think we're going back at least to middle school days. Like we're, wow. yeah, we're talking like, you know, I just turned 34 today, so we're looking at at least two decades ago, probably since I've had either of these. Um, I I know they both have very unique flavors, but I think the allure of Dr. Pepper, once I actually found out that there's like 23 unique flavors that make up Dr. Pepper, I think that kind of cemented it just having this like extra special kind of mystique about it. So I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson, uh, brand, Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper is the, uh, the, the all dressed chip of (laughs) pop. (laughs) I never thought about that. Yeah. Or like, it's just like, you know, I'm I'm sure you remember going to like seven 11 and making swamp water. It was like, I'm going to get a little bit of everything. It's like Dr. Pepper's like, we already beat you to it, kid. Definitely. I I remember doing swamp water when I don't know if they still do it. I haven't again, probably going back two decades uh, when Pizza Hut used to do their, I guess, buffets and they would have like the stuffed crust pizza. Me and my brothers would always do swamp water like all the time. And looking back, I'm like, oh, my goodness, you my parents were probably just like you're you're an idiot. Like, What are you doing? Like pick a flavor and stick with it. But yeah. The funny thing about swamp water, too, is that, like, no matter what you did, as soon as you added that orange pop, it tasted like orange pop. Right. It just ruined everything. Yeah. The orange pop took over for some reason, and that was what you what you tasted primarily. Um, I've got uh, next matchup here, a bit of a battle of the root beers, which uh, I mean, of course, I had to include A&W root beer in this battle. This next one might be a little contentious. Some people like it. Some people don't. My wife is one of the people that does not. She would choose a different brand than I would, but she's not here and she doesn't listen. So I got to pick. <laughs> um, so A&W root beer versus Barks root beer. Because oh. Barks has bite. Interesting. Um, I actually saw something on Twitter saying, how did these two brands last forever without really battling? And then someone was like, dude, don't you remember Barks has bite? And it just Barks like, has bite. it just like went through the comments, like the, the perfect answer to just start it up, like pineapple on pizza kind of debate going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A- another interesting one. Um, I think I am going to go with, A&W root beer, but not the stuff you get from A&W. And I don't know when the last time you had like, you know, a fountain drink from A&W. 
but I am 99% sure it is different than the stuff you get in cans. Like the stuff you get in cans is very, you know, good balanced root beer, good carbonation. And the stuff you get from A&W tastes so sweet and flat. It's it's almost like gross. Yeah, it's like straight syrup. So if I'm going to pick, um, I know I was never a huge fan of Barks, like that extra bite. So I will go with A&W root beer here, but not the stuff you get from actual A&W, if that makes any Although, sense. Although, <laughs> I, I like to like, first of all, my choice would have been Barks because Barks root beer is my all time most favorite, probably pop. Oh, actually. really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm big root beer fan. Um, but in A&W's defense, nothing beats going to A&W, eating in and getting the, fro- the the root beer in the frosted mug. I don't care how, how yeah. watered down or how, or I mean, how syrupy and, and, and crappy it may be. Um, nothing beats it. Cause like it always gets a little bit slushy as well yeah. on top. And yeah, good, uh, good. Also, good times. when's the last time you, or that you can remember where you went to A&W and you didn't get a root beer float. I never. Oh, no way. Yeah, no I always, I always just go for the classic. I always go for just the classic root beer. Look, floats were invented because of AW root beer. I'm, I'm, I know that's a lie, but I'm, I'm gonna like claim it anyways <laughs> because they're so good. I remember the last time I got a float from there though, and like it was literally just a brick of ice cream in root beer whereas like if i want to float like i want like some like soft serve or something like that in there like i want something that i can scoop up easily and like eat with a spoon and like this brick of ice cream was like so hard i was like spilling root beer everywhere trying to like get a hunk of ice cream (laughs) off and like it just it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable I'm just picturing you like battling this root beer and it's like splashing everywhere. <laughs> I'm, covered, like, I'm covered in root you're, beer. You're like, like that I'm dad so at the playground that yells. And... You're like that dad at the playground that yells at other kids like for <laughs> budging in front of your kids or something like that. Like, oh, what is this root beer falling all over me for? I yeah. am that dad and you know I am that dad because I told you that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, a little bit of an inside, uh, inside uh, take there by Steve. I, I yelled at another person's kid at the park the other day um and i don't regret it <laughs> Ballhawks does not endorse yelling at other people's children or children i did in any way I, shape I or form going forward whatever i didn't swear at the kid hey least. that's our legal disclaimer chris okay. we have to go about well, whatever whatever just because you're a teacher and you're like i don't i don't yell at kids in the classroom no. <laughs> um next match up here i've got the first ever third down triple threat match oh and i think you have to know what's coming here i i have an idea but it's a pop triple threat match there's only one triple threat threat that really makes sense in this scenario and it's the crush triple threat match so we've got the orange versus grape versus cream soda um, which I mean, I'm sure there's other brands of orange pop and grape pop and cream soda pop, but like crush with their vibrant colors, it just, they're, they're the ones that stand out. They're the OG, uh, you know, when I want 
great pop. It it, it has to be Crush. Um, what They're are you choosing in our first ever triple threat? Yeah, I, I thought you were going to go that way. And then like a little bit of doubt crept in and I was like, oh, maybe there's some sort of like knockoff lemon lime drink or something like that. That was once famous that I forgot about. Um, no, no, we don't do off-brand Lamar Jackson here. We only <laughs> there's going to be no Tyler Huntley style pops here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you could argue Barks is kind of like. Whoa. You know, yeah. Barks Not is kind of like that, right? Barks has bite. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> whenever I feel like getting to like extreme nostalgia, I will go to Costco and get like the flat of crush pop where you get eight of each, uh, you know, so the fun lasts 24 times as long as what you were hoping for. But in this, in my opinion, anyways, there's a clear winner here. Like it's not even remotely close out of those three because everywhere you go, whether it's juice boxes or candies or whatever it is, there's always something that's great. There's always something that's orange, but there's not always something that's cream soda. And that kind of separates cream soda from the rest of it. It is. It's like a unicorn of pop almost like it's just so. I, I can't remember the last time I actually went and bought a cream soda. But every time I do, I think to myself, why don't I buy this more? Like what is what is going on in my life that is so wrong that I'm forgetting about cream soda? It it's the most underrated pop to ever come about easily. Wow. Passionate. Yeah. Passion from Steve yeah. about the, 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 the pink soda, pink soda. Um, I would have to disagree with you on the, oh, the, no. the triple threat. Um, because in my mind, nothing touches grape. Great. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to pick grape. Yeah. Grape is like, <laughs> so, just mentioning about how Barks root beer is my probably like one point one Oh one, uh, draft, <laughs> pick, draft pick when it comes to pop. Yeah. Um, if I get a slushy, I want either like, I don't, I'm, I'm past the point now where like, if I get a slushy, I'm not like, I'm not making a swamp water slushy. I'm usually picking one flavor one slushy. Flavor. Yeah. I might top it with like some, like the other day I actually got a slushy. I got, uh, cause most of their machines are broken. So I got like a Coke slushy with like a little bit of lime topped on, okay. on, on the top. Right. So like, it's like, you're still sense. an adult, but you, you know what it's like to be a kid still. Yeah. Yeah. But like, usually if I go for a slushy, it's, I, I either want all root beer or all grape. Interesting. I'm like, Those don't are- get me wrong. Grape is an excellent choice of pop and like crush has to be the one or you get an orange crush and it's unbelievable. But yeah. I just I think, think there's me, like a like, there's like a unicorn status about cream soda where like you can get craft cream soda. Where like I was just going to say like, like I, I think for me with the cream soda is that I like the Jones soda cream okay. soda a yep. little bit more. Um okay. and like the the orange crush like orange crush is good but like I mean we all remember McDonald's orange drink and like <sighs> You know, that was basically crack oh. for kids. Oh. Um, and I still can't I still can't get over it. Um, so maybe that holds a bit of an edge over the the orange crush in, in, in my mind. But there's nothing like like you said, like there's nothing like, you know, the pink soda. There's nothing like the, 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 the crush cream soda. There's nothing out there like the grapes uh, crush either. Right. There's just nothing that 
you know, the the color, the flavor, just everything about it, just nothing equals that. It's like new car smell versus the air freshener that's new car smell. Like it it kind of resembles it, but it'll never be new car smell. Yeah. It's yeah. not it's not the same, right? It's funny. I actually I, I went to a client's house the other day. I brought her some uh, you know, some insurance papers or whatever. And she just moved into like a brand new house and we were talking, I was like, yeah, like these places are really nice. Like, is, like, is it new here? And she, like, yeah, like we just moved in. I was like, yeah, like I'm like, it, like it's still like smells new. Like not, and like I didn't say like as soon as I said the words, I'm like, oh, that sounds bad. She yeah. goes, oh well, I'm glad my house doesn't smell. I'm like, yeah, I deserve that response. <laughs> it doesn't smell like, moldy in here, so that's good, right? Like it's just like one of those like it's like it still smelled like 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 fresh cut like lumber. It smells new is what I meant. Yeah, it smells new, right? Yeah. It's like. The, like you said, like the new car smell. It was a new house smell. It's like new um, baby smell, right? Like there's there's nothing in the world like new baby smell. And I'm that weirdo. Like I fold it. I don't care who knows this because I make it very obvious. When I hold somebody's new baby, I let them know that I'm going to smell their head. I I yeah. cannot hold a brand new baby and not smell their head because there is just no smell on earth as nice as pure as serene as brand new baby head smell it's which oh really my goodness. it's just like caked in vomit and a, a fresh diaper is what you're smelling but that's okay essentially yeah good. yeah it smells good i yeah. don't care um last matchup here and you knew this was coming this is the king matchup this is the matchup that you know uh, you know, destroys family, breaks up marriages. <laughs> um, just it, it is the 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 king of king, uh, Pepsi versus Coke. Yeah, I mean, good thing my <laughs> marriage. I guess we don't drink a lot of pop. Um, <laughs> it's still going strong. Um, I've never really like when I was younger. I drank a lot of pop. Um, I always gravitated towards Coke and I don't know why. Um, it's one of those ones that you're right. You say Coke versus Pepsi and all of a sudden people are punching each other. Like, well, you know, in you stadiums. get those weirdos too. like some people are like, oh, do you have Pepsi or Coke? Oh, Pepsi. Is that OK? No, I must have Coke, you know, right. or like, or vice versa. Like, no, I, oh, we have Coke. Is that okay? Like, no, I need Pepsi. Like, the fact that everybody knows that saying where it's like, oh, is Pepsi okay? Or, oh, is Coke okay? Shows you the level of like anger people harbor yeah. towards one or the other. <laughs> totally. Um, I'm sorry if it's a bit of a letdown for third down, but I don't really harbor any negative feelings. So, um, no matter which one I pick, I'm sure we're going to get backlash for, and I'm going to Perfect. laugh at every single person who throws said backlash my way, but I guess I'll pick Coke since I gravitated towards it more as a kid. Yeah, I, um, I definitely drank Coke more as a, I guess, teenager. Um, didn't drink a lot of Coke as a kid because my parents were like, that has caffeine in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, so Coke was probably the one that I drank more of. I, I, I had a buddy, um, you know, that's what he preferred. And so I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll drink that too. Um, but like now, I mean, like I said, I don't drink a lot of pop either unless it does have alcohol in it. Um, <laughs> if I guess if I was reaching for a cola without alcohol in it, I would probably lean Pepsi. Okay. But when I'm mixing it with, 
spiced rum, it has to be Coke. Hmm. It just, there's something about the, the Coke mixture that just pairs better with the, the, the spiced rum. Um, and actually, I, I'll give Coke the, the edge as well, because nothing will ever top McDonald's Fountain Coke. Okay. And I, I think, I, I can't remember where I saw it. I think it was a few years ago where, like, Coke actually provides McDonald's with, like, their own special specific syrup of course just for them and like it's like it's a higher end coke syrup than like anywhere else gets and uh it shows they brought the actual cocaine back into coke (laughs) uh, they must have probably put it it in with the 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 french fries fries and the cheeseburgers and let's let's i mean if we're gonna do it let's do it let's do it have you ever dipped your french fries in coke I always heard that was a thing. Yeah, I'm sure I have. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm I, sure I have. I don't know where I heard that, but I, I heard that dipping French fries from McDonald's in Coke was like this big thing. I don't well, know. Well, there's like, I don't know. Super people, random thought, I know. People are weird, right? That's, I mean, Christ, I ate watermelon with mustard on it. So I was like, <laughs> well, sure. I'll, I'll try it. Like, whatever. Sure. Yeah, put some mustard on this. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm fairly certain that I have dipped my fries in Coke. Just like, um, um, you know, dipping your fries in your Wendy's Frosty. Um, right, that was another one. That was another big one for for a long time. And Christ, I'm sure when I was a kid, I dipped my Doritos in my slushy just to, just to. I don't know what does this taste like, right? Like, yeah, for sure. So kids, especially, um, do dumb things um, all the time. Uh, re- quick recap here. You can give me your MVP. I'll let you know if you got the first down. Uh, so we have uh, Coke, a cola, Crush cream soda, A and W root beer, and Dr Pepper. Who's your MVP, Steve? Who's getting Man, that first down for you? I don't know if this is like birthday magic, but listening back to those, like I've got a stack team over here. Totally. Um, but like, really, there's no wrong choices here either. So, and maybe, maybe as, Mountain Dew. I can make a case against Mountain Dew, but yeah. I still like it. Yeah. Um. To be honest, I think you left off. And again, you're gonna make fun of me for this one because this is not a popular pop. Um. Uh, but uh, ginger ale is one of my kind of unsung heroes, especially if you're talking about spiced rum. Uh, whiskey for me, ginger ale and whiskey. Okay. Yeah. Um. So for this third down, I kind of realized I was giving away a lot of my MVP by my reactions. So I've been purposely downplaying one of these because there is a clear and obvious favorite. uh, And it's unbelievable. It's really the only pop I drink as an adult. I I drink ginger ale every once in a while. Um, But root beer. A&W root beer is root beer just in general like i i love all sorts of root beers uh when we go to a movie it's always popcorn and root beer it's not popcorn and a drink it's popcorn and root beer there's just no other choice behind it if i'm going to the grocery store like let's say i'm out camping or something like that and we we're gonna pick up some pop it it's not pick up pop it's pick up root beer it just it is so unbelievably good and i i don't know what it I've never taken the time to actually understand what it 
is made out of, but uh, definitely Aim W Revere is my MVP. And it, it's, it's not um, even remotely close. I. It's a good thing we don't have a guest on the show tonight. Um, <laughs> because I would never want to admit this with somebody else in the the room. Call it the room. In the Skype room. Um, Steve just got a first down, guys. Yeah! Let's go! Because oh, root beer is absolutely the right choice. Like I said, root beer, root beer is, I mean, Bart's root beer is my 101, but like really I'm not that picky either. No. Because root beer is good no matter which one you get. Even if it's that, you know, Tyler Huntley generic brand, it's still good. Like what? what's the it's like Western family beer. one? It's like... I've had it. Root it's something. Like road road tripping root beer yeah. or something like that. I, I, I honestly don't it. care what it's called. If it's root yeah. beer, sign me up. Sign I was actually looking at that right root away. beer at the store today. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i yeah like That's i said nice root beer you. like going back you know going back to my slushies as well like you know if it comes down to like root beer or grape and both machines are working i'm still choosing root beer 100 percent. yeah and, and like you said you might put a little bit of a splash of something else on top because like you're gonna fill it up 90 percent of the way with root beer because you're an adult you get one flavor yeah. but you know you still got a little kid in you throw a little grape in there or something like that exactly well, it is Bravo. it is a birthday Bravo. miracle right here, it, right? What a, I know, and I'm and I'm not even just being nice to you because it's your birthday. <laughs> oh, I know, you wouldn't be nice even if I paid you to do that. It's, I mean, if you want to pay me, I'll be nicer. <laughs> yeah. What a Sunday to be alive, ladies and gentlemen! I just got my first first down, and it only took uh, a quarter quill episode to get there. But it only half counts because he didn't have competition. Sure. Sounds like a first down to me. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> a, playing, win's, a win's a win. That's right. I'm, I'm out there on the football field throwing passes up to myself, catching them 10 yards uh, downfield, and uh, I feel great about it no matter what. Oh, God. Wait. Oh, hold on. What is that? I I, I see a, a, a piece of yellow cloth on the field. Um, <laughs> 15-yard penalty taunting. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, the first down is coming back. This is rigged. Okay, no fun, no fun, Chris over here. The NFC yeah, league no, over I, here. I, I saw you flex a little bit. Oh, that's funny. That's good. <laughs> um, okay, we let's uh move on to our mailbag here. We have, I, I know everybody was so excited about my birthday that they kind of mainly forgot about the mailbag i i get it everybody was blowing up my my tl as the kids say it on twitter um so first question i feel like the first question always goes to marquise uh from cover four with the guys because he's always on top of it um i'm gonna take these questions out of order because i know i sent them to you uh let's start with favorite childhood cartoon character who you got Oh man, I struggled with that one. Like oh, I, I enjoyed a lot of cartoons as a kid. Like I mean, you've got Doug, you've got Rugrats, you've got Ren and Stimpy, The Simpsons, Family Guy, Futurama, like Clone High. I don't don't know if you remember that one. Like so many good cartoons. Um Can I can I cheat a little bit and say the Ninja Turtles? Like, and not just pick one? Okay, I mean, if but, I'm going to pick one, I'm going to pick one. 
Like who, who were you as a kid? Leonardo. Like okay. Leonardo was always my favorite Ninja Turtle. So I would I would pick him, but like I loved the Ninja Turtles cartoon franchise as a kid, right? And it's like I guess that that is cheating, but I don't care. And and look, as much as you won't be nice to me just to be nice, I also won't be nice to you. That is still a great pick. Uh Ninja yeah. Turtles are like a classic. I'm gonna I was trying to think as well. There's so many good ones. Uh, Recess was another one of my favorites growing up yeah. as a kid. Um, but one show that I watched as a young kid and it kind of just stayed with me throughout the years, even to like my younger teenage years was Arthur. Hmm. Super random, super, uh, in my opinion, underrated. So I'm pretty sure they just canceled that show, actually. Probably. Nope. But like it was on like. That's a long run. Yeah. I don't know and if they, they were. I, I haven't watched it in years, but. Well, no. I mean, neither, neither have I, but like, I, I'm pretty sure I saw something like a week or two ago that they just like canceled it or didn't renew its contract or like it, it like it's actually coming to an end. Oh, interesting. I didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't even hear about that. Um, okay. Let's go with question number two here. Uh, hopefully you did your research. It says Chipotle or could. Doba or Moe's? Did you do your research? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we talked about this off air. Um, sorry, Marquise. Um, where we are, there are none of those in the town that we live in. Oh, are they restaurants? Um, yeah, they're all oh, restaurants. Okay. I thought so, it was like, flavors. Heard... No, so like, Chipotle is. Um, I know what Chipotle it... is. Yeah, it's like quesada, I guess, comparable to what we have in town here. So that's probably um, I, what Kidoba is. Yeah, I okay. think there's a Chipotle down in Vancouver. Um, it's probably the closest one to us. Um, haven't even heard of the other two, unless he's talking about Moe's Tavern from The Simpsons. And <laughs> if that's the case, then I'm picking Moe's. Um, just simply for, you know, the Duff beer and the Flaming Moe. Um, so this might be a little hard one for us uh, Canadians to answer. Maybe, yeah. maybe Marquise is like, obviously Marquise is going to be listening to this. So I guess he has to hit up the pod. And are these places just like Florida based places or are these kind of popular places in the U.S.? Because full disclosure, I've only been to two places in the U.S. Uh, I've been to Washington mainly Seattle um, and Vegas. Those are the only two places I've been to in the States. So I don't know any. I know Chipotle is big down there. Um, Like I said, there's a Chipotle in Vancouver. Like Chipotle is a pretty big franchise. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the other two though. Okay. So we'll we'll leave that one. um, And maybe we'll hit up if they're, if cover forward, the guys are going to do a mailbag. We'll do like an all Canadian version and stump, stump them to get them. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's get those guys. Let's get them. Um, let's go to number four, Chris. What's your dream profession? This is a good one. It, it is. Um, I mean, it's something that I've thought about. Um, I mean, Christ, for probably since I was 10 years old. I mean, when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be Shawn Michaels. Um, <laughs> Who didn't? <laughs> right? I, I wanted himself. to be the heartbreak kid. I wanted to, you know, uh, sweet chin music and, and do a, a super flex uh pose for everybody automatic Um, taunting yeah automatic 
15 yards for sure. And you wanted uh, hair. That was the other thing. You wanted hair, period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was 10, I did have longer hair. Um, I, don't I never I, I never quite I, I had a mushroom cut, which, you know, oh, what, ten, yes. what, what 10 year old boy didn't have a mushroom cut. I did cut. not have a mushroom cut. <laughs> I uh, will we'll go a little off script here to give a little bit of my personality. Um, I begged my dad. I vividly remember in the barber shop begging my dad with all my might for a mushroom cut. Like I was willing to sell my soul to the devil for a mushroom cut. And he was like, you're not getting a mushroom cut. <laughs> and to this day, I cannot thank my dad enough for not allowing me to get a mushroom cut. So I don't think he listens to the podcast, but if you are listening, dad, thank you for never letting me get a mushroom cut. So that he can have a mushroom cut when he's 34 years old. Yeah, I'll do it now. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your dream profession? Um, yeah, my, my dream profession. I mean, it, it, it's it's. I guess maybe not as specific as somebody might like. It's probably a very vague, but like something in the sports realm. Um, I mean, we both talk about our time working at Jersey city and um, you know, retail sucks and I wouldn't want to go back to, to retail. Um, but it was a fun time, right? I mean, in yeah. our twenties, I was a super fun job selling jerseys, talking sports all the time. Um, and I just like, that would be, you know, doing something in, you know, sports related, uh, talking sports all the time, being around sports all the time. Kind of like podcasting. Um, yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Professional podcaster. That's funny. Uh, you forgot to mention our time at Jersey City uh, playing hockey in the store or playing football in the store. Uh, I, I think I played baseball a couple times yeah, with the hockey sticks. One. Yeah, just like hitting random other things that were, were for sale across the store. Yeah, we also played basketball with, uh, you know, you know, the pins that went into like the security tags yeah. and there was like the magnet that would like disattach the two. We would take shots from all over the, the store <laughs> to land it on the strong magnet on the till. And uh, oh, yeah, there was a lot of pins that got lost. I'll, t I'll tell one you of, that for One free. of my favorite uh, and I can't remember if I talked about this on air or off air with you. Um, but one of my favorite moments from from the Jersey City days is we had those full size replica NFL helmets uh, for sale in the store. <laughs> and I put one of the helmets on and went running around the mall, football in hand, helmet on, yeah. uh, doing doing laps or, around the mall. So and full um, disclosure inside those helmets, it says for display purposes only do not wear. <laughs> so thank yeah. you, Chris. Um Honestly, mine's going to sound like kind of a cop-out, but my dream profession is teaching. I've wanted to do it since I was a kid. Um, that never faded going through university, trying to like dissuade myself from it. Um, now that I'm in uh, my fifth full year, uh, I guess my eighth year teaching it technically, um, I, I still love it. And I tell my students this every single year. The minute I start hating teaching is the minute I'll, I'll quit. I'll quit on the spot because it's not fair uh, to kids or to other teachers that want to do a good job of it. Um, so I love my job. If I were to pick something that wasn't teaching, I think it might have been like personal training, sports physio kind of idea, like rehabbing injuries. I love injuries. I love talking injuries. Uh, how do you get over injuries? 
And then obviously, like recently, I've always wanted to kind of open my own brewery. I think it would be a, a lot of fun uh, going that round. Uh, he has one more question here for us, Chris. This one, I don't know the answer to this uh, for you. So this will be interesting for me to hear this. But he asks, how did y'all meet your significant others? And Yeah, I, I know your answer. You know my answer. Um, yeah, I know your answer. It was, uh, I mean, I was pretty well there for it but it was also yeah. talked about a, about a lot at your wedding um but uh yeah i met nadine uh nadine and i used to work together so like i met nadine it, it's actually really weird i can even tell you the exact day i met nadine you were just so infatuated uh, it was july no it's just i don't know i don't know why we like we both remember it it was july 1st two thousand. Uh, oh. yeah 2005 it was like a month and a half before i turned like i was 18 when when i met nadine i i, I was just about 19 and um she was working she was working a different shift than normal at work we were worked at a call center at the time and she was working a different shift than she usually does so that she could go out and party that night and uh and that's she was happened to be sitting by me that day and uh, we got to talking and, you know, I turned 19 and now all of a sudden, uh, you know, me in this, uh, she would have been 20 at the time. Um, you know, now we're going to the clubs every weekend together and we're hanging out and that's, you know, progressed from there. Um, and then, <laughs> and then we actually, um, you know, to give you, I guess the, the, the full, uh, the full story, um, I went to Europe for three months. Uh, you know, I stayed in contact with her. I had, I had phone cards. I would call back home every now and then. I'd call a lot of people. She was one of the people that I would call. Um, you know, came back home. We kind of picked things up where, you know, where they left off, uh, you know, before I left for Europe. Um, and then it ended really, really poorly. Oh. Um, yeah, I, uh, I've only ever been slapped in the face by a girl once in my entire life. <laughs> Um, and I, and I married her. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, wow. it, like I said, it, it ended poorly. We actually didn't talk for three years. Wow. Um, yeah, I moved to Kamloops. She did. Yeah. I, I don't know what she did in those three years. I know I moved to Kamloops though. Um, and I just, I don't know what it was, but one day I was, you know, Facebook was relatively new and, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe Nadine's on Facebook and maybe I'll add her on Facebook. And so, you know, sit, added her, sent her a message saying, oh, you Hey, creeped. you know, how are you or whatever? And, and she will admit to this as well. Cause she's told me this. She's, she's like, I looked at that message and waited like three days to decide if I wanted to reply back to you <laughs> or what I wanted to do. Did you guys and, archive uh, the message? What's that? Did you guys archive the message? Like, is it still uh, around? Oh, I could probably find it. I mean, oh, neither one of us have deleted Facebook. So it's it's probably still in there somewhere. Um, yeah. And just, you know, from there, like I was living in Kamloops. She was living in uh, in Kelowna. Um, we, you know, we would chat on Facebook. And then, you know, from there, kind of progress, progress where it's just like, okay, well, you know, here's my new number. And now we're texting and. Um, you know, we definitely hashed out what happened with, you know, what ended up in me getting slapped across the face and, um, <laughs> you know, like things progressed from there. I moved back to Kelowna and, you know, yeah. here we are. 
so I knew years, I knew part of your story, later, obviously, because we work together in Kamloops yeah, at you, Jersey you City. You knew the, the, the Kamloops side of things. Yeah. And I knew I was like, who's this, you know, girl coming to Kamloops to see Chris of all people like <laughs> his dumb, dumb didn't even want to hire me when uh, when I first applied to Jersey City for good reasons, by the way. Um, I, I, I vividly remember her coming in and, uh, she would be buying you birthday presents or Christmas presents. And, uh, I was like, man, what's so special about Chris that, you know, you're wanting to buy like a signed print for this guy. Like I have to work with this guy all the time. He can't be that good of a dude. Uh, turns out you were, uh, <laughs> maybe outside of work when you weren't such a slave driver. Um, and then I remember when you moved to Kelowna, obviously, cause you left Kamloops to, to go to Kelowna to, to chase after the woman of your dreams. Yeah. I, I, you know, didn't learn my lesson the first time that relocating towns, uh, for a girl, you know, I don't know that cause we all, I'm sure, you know, that's what brought me to Kamloops was a girl and uh and you know of course there was those apprehensions of like eh, like you know i'm, I'm kind of doing it again but like we had been together for a year and a half i think long distance um and then and and i mean it's not like moving to Kelowna was a hard decision it's like all my family is here i grew up here like what you know what, when we realized that like okay like this is getting serious it wasn't like uh are you moving to Kamloops or am I moving to Kelowna? It was like, no, like I'm moving back home. I'm, yeah. you know, this is where I want, want to be. I don't know. Nothing wrong with Kamloops, but yeah. And now, I mean, I moved back to Kelowna. I think it was 2010, 2011. Yeah. Just it, after, it, it, yeah, yeah. It'll be just 10, after the it'll Olympics. be 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, in September. Cause it, I, I proposed to Nadine, uh, 10 years ago next month. And then I think a week after we got engaged is when I officially moved back. Yeah, I mean, I guess the good, I guess, takeaway for any young listeners listening to this is uh, love comes in all sorts of weird times. And when you don't expect it and you just you literally never know who the person you are going to marry is. So my story is a little simpler, I guess. Um when I moved to Kelowna, uh, a good buddy of ours who actually has the next question, Ted Wong uh, of the PP1 podcast, he was playing dodgeball. And uh, obviously, being an athlete, being, you know, working side by side with him every day, he was like, man, we got to get you out for some dodgeball. And I would sub and uh, it was tons of fun. Obviously, you came and played with us for a couple seasons there. Dodgeball is so much fun. If you ever get a chance to play competitive dodgeball or just recreational dodgeball, um, it's so much fun. It's nothing like you remember from your middle school or high school years. It's so much better. Um, and so long story short, Ted's team was this kind of top of the line team they kind of won the championship all the time. I got onto this team. I kind of fit in. I, without pumping my own tires, I feel like I'm kind of a natural athlete. So, uh, I, I gelled really well with their team. We continued to win. Um, and our friend Ted is maybe one of the, 
he he's one of the best dodgeball players I've ever seen in my life. He throws harder than most people. He jumps higher than most people. He's got like unorthodox throws. He literally could take out almost any person in dodgeball uh, that he would play against, except for one person. And that person would go on to be my my future wife. And we always bugged him that there was this blonde girl on this one team that would get him out consistently every single time. It didn't matter whether it was six on five, four on four, one V one. She would always take him out. And of course, Ted's our best player. We want to, you know, preserve him in the game as long as we can. And I made it my mission to take out Alyssa in dodgeball (laughs) every single time we stepped on the court against their team. That was my one and only job was go take her out so that Ted would stay in the game. And I always joke about it, you know, with anyone who asks for, or, you know, my students always like hearing this story, but, you know, I remember throwing a couple balls at her head, like as hard as I could possibly throw and literally missing my future wife's head by inches. Um, yeah. And kind of the rest is history. We, we went on a couple dates and, uh, you know, six months later, we were trying to have our first child. So we met at I, dodgeball. Didn't she play for the team that complained about, remember our team hat? No, no, that was a different team. That was okay. Cause I, yeah. I was going to say, I remember like, I, th- I didn't care who it was, but I remember th- when we were playing that game, when, when the other team complained about our hat and I just, headhunted whoever was going to be in yep. the way of that ball and just narrowly <laughs> missed um a girl on the other other yeah. team as well um no, and i couldn't remember if team. it was Alyssa or if it was someone else but no i remember which team that was it was not her team yeah um okay that that was a that was a long-winded answer for a lot of things our next next question comes from uh obviously ted and this is more football related. Uh, it says just watch former Seattle cornerback Shaquille Griffin look real solid for the jigs in a preseason game against the Browns. And it got me thinking which recently departed Seahawks and Ravens free agent signings. Uh, do you see having the greatest positive impacts with their new team and why? Um, I mean, I guess for me, um, you know, kind of, probably cheating a little bit to say Shaquille Griffin. Um, I mean, he went down to Jacksonville and is is their number one cornerback. So, I mean, obviously he's going to have a very positive impact on that team. Um, Jaron Reed going down to Kansas city to play with Frank, Frank Clark and and Chris Jones. Um, I mean, that D line was probably, you know, scary enough already. And then now you add big Jaron Reed in the middle of the D line there. Um, you know, who can, uh, you know, stuff the run and get pressure on the quarterback, uh, you know, equally as well. Um, so that that's going to make them scary. Um, but I guess I, I think my answer is going to be a guy who's not even signed yet. It's going to be KJ Wright, wherever right. KJ Wright lands, which yeah. I mean, he could still end up back in Seattle, which if he ends up back in Seattle, then my answer is Jaron Reed. Um, but wherever KJ Wright ends up, he's going to make whatever team he's on their linebacking core a lot better. Right. I just saw uh, our friend Michaela uh, post something about how is KJ Wright in the top 100 players of 2021 and he's still a free agent. 
So for uh, the first time in his career, he makes top 100, and he was like right. number like uh, was he in the 60s or the 70s? I can't remember, but he yeah. makes the list for the first time in his career, and yeah, he's a free agent now. Like of all the players, like each team gets 53 guys to keep on their roster. So, but just two teams out of all 32 teams and you've got somebody who's in a top 100 position like it yeah that that blew my mind I, I couldn't believe he wasn't signed I assumed I just like missed something um for me I'm gonna pick Matt Judon um Bill Belichick is a defensive minded guy their defense has always been good they're getting back like Dante Hightower who opted out last year uh, this is a guy who was playing at a Pro Bowl level. So it's pretty hard to imagine a guy with that much impact playing for like a defensive genius mind and on a defense that's actually still good. Um, I, I think it's going to be Matt Judon easily. And our last question came in the latest hour possible, literally as I was calling Chris on Skype. Uh, our buddy Liam asked questions. He has two. One was, which starting player from your own team would you cut if you had to cut someone? So you, offense, defense, whatever it is, you have to cut one person. Who's it going to be? Um, Ugo Amadi. Okay. He was the starting nickel corner for Seattle last year. He's currently battling uh, with Marquise Blair uh, to fill that same position uh, this season. Um, I just feel like, um, with how well, I mean, he lost the, the position battle last year to Marquise Blair, uh, and then Blair tore his ACL in like game two. Um, I, I feel like Marquise Blair is going to win that position battle again this year. Mm. And I just don't see where Amadi fits on that, um, defense like i don't know if he really fits on special teams as a gunner or really where like where his position um you know would would fill um to to make sense keeping him so he was someone i was, I was actually when i was watching the, the the game yesterday there was you know guys that i was thinking like you know who might be like a surprise cut when they cut down to the 53 and he was one of the guys that uh that i that definitely crossed my mind yeah, interesting pick. I uh, I would almost never pick a corner because I, I maybe it's just like a, a Raven saying, but you can never have enough good corners. But I guess if he was going to lose the starting job anyways, um, maybe you'd hope he gets a backup spot. Um, this one is really tough for me, actually. Like thinking about cutting a starter has such big impacts. So I picked a spot where, like you did, where there was a replacement in the waiting. So I love him. He's been a big part of the Ravens kind of culture and, and, and having a stout run defense for as long as I can remember really. Uh, but I would probably cut Brandon Williams um, for two reasons. One, his contract is getting inflated. Um, so definitely you want to save a little bit of cap room somewhere but they've also, like I said earlier in the show, they've got Justin Matabike, who is a young guy who looks poised to take over that spot anyways. Um, so I guess I would just, yeah, either either that or maybe Calais Campbell, because again, we have uh, Odafe Owe, who 
could step in there or, you know, maybe one of these other, maybe Matabike can move over to his spot. Um, that, that's a tough one to answer though, because it, it, it just leaves a hole somewhere, right? It, yeah. No matter what, it leaves a hole. Um, and our final question, if you were given a job with your football team and you could p- pick anywhere in the organization from the top coach to QB to equipment guy, whatever, what job would you want? Has to be a job, not just the owner. <laughs> this is this is another great question. Um, <laughs> I love Liam's questions because they're so random, but they they really get you thinking about uh, just something I've never really thought of in football. Like what what yeah. would I want? What would I want? I think I mean he he used it as one of his examples, like. Equipment manager, I think, would be a great job. Like you're really? around the team, you're involved, you're with the players, you're 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 part of it, right? But like, you're not really like, like you're not going to be put on the chopping block because you forgot to put a guy's face mask on. You know what I mean? Like your your job is like you're part of a team of the equipment management team. Um, you know, you have your processes to make everything's, you know, set up. Guys have what they want. Guys are comfortable with, they've got their gloves their cleats, their shoulder pads are set up, right. Their jerseys are, you know, cut properly. Um, whereas like when you are, you know, I mean, God, I would never want to be a quarterback, um, head coach again, a lot of pressure there. Um, you know, I, I, I make this joke at, uh, at my job all the time. Like I'm not, uh, you know, and, and for everyone who can't see me, um, I'm moving my hand across. Like I'm not the guy that's going to peak and like, I'm moving my hand upwards right now. Like I'm the guy, like I'm, you know, steady Eddie, or it's just like <laughs> just middle of middle of the that's line. Like said. don't do too, like do enough that like, you know, do what's expected of me, but don't exceed what's expected of me because then they <laughs> expect more. Um, so, so that's probably why I would pick equipment manager because I, uh, yeah. This is one of the worst answers anyone has ever given on any podcast, uh, <laughs> including, yeah. Um, wow. I, I feel like, and I know it comes with a lot of pressure. It comes with a short shelf life. It comes with, um, you know, tons of scrutiny from people who are stupid, but I would have to pick the GM like as a, as a football fan. And I think this goes back to like, you know, whether you're playing Madden or you're thinking about, Oh, I hope my team goes and gets this player. I would love to know how to do the front office job of a GM to where I got to make decisions on who gets cut how much money that's pl- that player is making, who we can let go, uh, who we're going to draft. Like we, we're all watching the draft. We're like, man, I really hope we get Rashad Bateman. But if you were the GM, you could be like, oh, Rashad Bateman is on the clock. I'm going to get him. Like I don't have to hope on somebody else doing it. Um, and again, I know that comes with a lot of scrutiny. I think there's a lot of GMs who don't deserve their job because uh, they were kind of just given the job from the old boys club. But I just think that would be the most fun personnel job. Um, If I was to pick something on the field, I I think I would always wanted to be like a safety. And maybe that's because Ed Reed was my favorite player. Um, But yeah, GM. There you go. There you go. Armchair armchair GM to real life GM. 
Just like that. Just don't uh, fire me for putting the stickers on the helmets wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why does our punter have the green dot on his helmet? Come on, Chris. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> uh, okay, we're uh, we're over an hour and 45 now. That that mailbag, we, we kind of went off on a tangent there, but uh, it gives a little insight into maybe who we are as people as well. I know a couple of those questions were pretty like, more more hey, personal, I, but it's it's good to uh, kind of throw your name out there a little bit. Getting ask slapped me how by I met wife. my wife, and I love telling the story that she slapped <laughs> me across the face. So, um, okay, uh, as always, Chris, I'm going to give you the last words this week and every week. Uh, yeah, a couple final words here. Um, uh, Calvin's pod is two birds one pod because of course he's a ravens fan and his co-host is an eagles fan um so another uh, another podcast uh with, with two birds um i don't know maybe we should have gone with that name maybe that would have been whatever yeah whatever calvin ours is cooler uh, i'm just kidding go, go check out calvin's <laughs> podcast guys uh you can you can find uh his podcast over on twitter at two birds one pod uh, Calvin is at flock Seawood. Uh, he's one of our loyal listeners. Uh, you know, he's always interacting with us over on there. So, uh, you know, good for you, Calvin. Hope the show's going well. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, keep grinding it. Uh, you know, it, it pays off for sure. Um, I saw a thing today. Apparently the Seahawks are, uh, done negotiating with Jamal Adams and they've made their final offer. And if he doesn't want to accept, he can play this year on his, uh, you know, fifth year, option and then they'll just franchise tag him this uh next year and the following year um so you know things are going great in seattle um you know all all good things um apparently they're also not negotiating with Dwayne, dwayne brown so just you know fantastic news coming out of seattle right now um anyways guys um thank you everyone for listening uh please uh you know go subscribe give us a rating review uh, you know, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We are there. Uh, give us a follow over on Twitter at ballhawks underscore pod. You can find me on my personal at Phillips Chris 12, Steve at SS Fisher 87. And as always, guys, go Hawks. Peace. Hey listeners, I'm Christy and I'm Melissa and this is Buried Motives where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back and that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? 
Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. <laughs>